Herald of Steel beckons. War on the horizon. Chaos reigns supreme. But who will save us? Beckons of the Herald of Steel is a 5th edition homebrew campaign. It is a high fantasy and old school flavored campaign run by me, the young Rognard, and my friends. Let's meet those friends now. I am Anthony Santiago, and I'm playing Norhill Hammerstone, Dwarven Fighter. I'm Jared, and I'll be playing Jarzak, the Orc Warlock. I'm Ryan, and I'm going to be playing Klika, the Goblin Sorcerer. I'm Veronica. I'll be playing Anton, the Human Cleric. While many prophecies are written, our story has yet to be completed. Follow us into adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. It is I, Grognar the Young, the Young Grognar, kicking each other live with another episode of the Beckons of the Herald of Steel campaign. With the adventure, the herald, and the quest, the present. In the last few episodes, our mighty heroes decided that they would go ahead and make a little visit to Queen Garavar, or at least whatever the succubi Kalaskai thinks she's calling herself these days. And with a little bit of gumption, our party have made their way into the city, having fought off the iron eagles along the way, as well as apparently giant metal mantises. Uh, the party attempted to find the easiest way into the city, uh, skulking through the tree line, finding their way sneaking into the city. They barely made their way invisibly past some sort of giant metal tiger thing uh, and snuck away into one of the small businesses within the city just outside of the inner city gate before being able to enter the inner city and find their way to the castle where they'd give the smack down to our succubi friend. Succubus friend. There's two of them. Um, but anyway... The uh, party were met with a interesting bit of opposition as apparently uh, magnetic aneurysms are on sale this week. And much of the party dealt with a magnetic brainwave. Uh, I guess Anton really was the only one succumbing to that headache. But as the party realized very quickly from the sound of something dropping from very high up in the sky, the giant shrapnel metal pieces that are just floating around the city up in the air, uh, some of them began to fall, leading the party to believe some sort of like a electromagnetic pulse had gone off, some sort of pulse maybe originating from the uh, sundering spire. And uh, the party managed to escape the building before it was destroyed, managing their way into the street, only to realize that they hadn't traveled fast enough, got hit with a lot of the shrapnel of these giant, uh, what did I describe it as? It's like a locomotive falling out of the sky, or like a bus of metal just falling straight to the ground. So our party now stand in the dust-covered street where these giant sh like chunks of metal have crash-landed. They took out the gate that the party were going to be traveling through, and as they can tell, much of the Iron Maelstrom, the soldiers afoot wandering around here and on the wall, seem to be a little preoccupied with uh, what is going on uh, with the sky falling upon them. As bits of metal begin to float laboriously back up to the sky, the party realize they have few moments before they can cross the, the rubble that is now the inner gate, uh, getting their way to the castle. So my question to the party, well, actually one last point. Anton did use a little uh, scrying ability that I guess Anton's had for a bit now and found out that uh, our friend Shereel's not doing too hot in something of a torture chamber that used to be a throne room. Um, so I suppose with that aside, now my question is, 
what are the party going to do in the few moments they have before the uh, chaos around them resolves. We must hurry past the gates while we still have time. The ancient block right now, because I remember last game, he was pretty... We must hurry in past the gate while we still have time. Can Anton still walk? I know he was, what was he, stunned? Yeah, he was. But I think that in the time that's passed now and with uh, everything that happened and getting hit by shrapnel, I think it kind of sobered you up and pulled you out of it. Yeah, we took a whole ass cat nap, if (laughs) I remember correctly. So I suppose to set the scene a little bit better, the way that that giant like bus of metal like shredded into the the gate, it hit it sideways. So like one of the gate doors has been completely smashed and the whole stone wall next to it has collapsed inward. But with so much stonework, you guys aren't going to be able to just walk through. It's going to be climbing over like a 20 foot tall heap of stone that's just all smashed. And not to mention the things that are trapped within that stone. And from where you guys are standing, you can't see over that hump into the inner city. But one would assume that apart from the other metal crashing down in the city, there's probably a lot of action coming towards the gate right now. Do we want to put up another invisibility now then? Or do we want to just try and get over it? Didn't we just refresh it? Yeah. So... Well, you guys are invisible when you got hit by the shrapnel? No, no. Refresh it as in we got your spell slots back or right from the catnap. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I mean there's yeah. still a there's still a chance with how much chaos is going on and all the dust floating around here that you you might be able to skulk through without having to turn invisible right now. The only thing is it's one of those precious moments kind of deals where it's like, will the time it takes to cast this be like the diff you know what I mean? Be the difference between uh, pretty sure I can just cast it real quick. You mean instant? Yeah. First cast time, yeah. Yeah. Well, you can? Yeah. Why is that? It's cast time is one action, I mean. Right, which, you know, I'm just saying like in the grand scheme of actions with everybody running ahead, if people are dashing to do this. I... Assume they wouldn't just dash out and leave Jarzak behind. So, I I guess we'll... I think he's talking about like the enemies, like everyone else reacting to what's going on. But even then, like I think we'll be all right. Yeah. So what's the plan? Uh, Jarzak being refreshed from his cat nap and having the world collapse down on him. I was just gonna cast invisibility on everyone and start running. To the wall. Um, okay, so we're basically case... going to prepare to start dashing as soon as he's invisible. Okay, I mean that feels like what everybody's plan is. So at this point, I guess Jarzak just kind of shouts out that plan, and everybody's going to run for it. Okay, so here's the thing: as we dash up to this giant rocky wall here invisibly, you guys can tell that there are things within the giant rocky cluster. And they seem to be trying to drag themselves out. Like I described last time, there's like ogre sized and like hill giant sized heaps of metal that are just like climbing around in here. So they are big enough that they can really push aside a lot of the stone pretty easily. So getting over this hill is going to be kind of treacherous. So my question is, what are you guys going to do to get over this giant hill of stone? Are you just going to hoof it? 
Kligowitz for Jar for Jarzak to cast fly on her like he normally does. Your invisible so, just yeah, but then looks around and realizes that's probably not happening. I uh, can you describe what the wood of the gate itself? What state was that in again? Uh, one of the gate doors is still standing. Uh, one could assume maybe that it's busted off the hinges, but it's just standing from the pressure and weight of it just being up against like the frame of the door. But the other half has just been like collapsed inward and is laying flat, basically like in the street. It's like surfboarding down on the stone into the into the street before the gate. No hill's gonna try to run up the gate that's collapsed. Use that for more solid footing to get to the top of the hill before running down the other side. Okay. I'm going to say because it's flat and it's just like a big plank of wood that like, it's kind of like fractured planks. I'm going to say this is going to be an acrobatics check rather oh. than just athletics. Cause you're not, that not good rock. awesome. <laughs> I, you know, you could have just climbed over the rocks. Yeah. It... No arguments. Uh, nine. Very well. What about everybody else? Kligu's going to do that, too. Okay. But you're all invisible, so you just all think you had a really good original idea. Yes. I also love that this is just, like, maybe the first acrobatics check I've called for. That one. It's a six total, but... Good. Good. What about uh, Anton and Jarzak? What's your plans? Um, I'll, I'll follow suit. I got a 13. Just everybody invisibly following suit with this acrobat. Gotta climb business. it, man. Okay, yeah. and what about... Run up the doors, the obvious path. What about Schmarzak? Uh, I mean, Jarzak did say let's go over the wall and no one communicated, right? Jarzak's so, gonna try to go over the wall. Okay. So are you gonna do like an athletics check to do that? You said there are other creatures here, right? So the thing is, is that there are those uh members of the Iron Maelstrom trap under the rocks, and so they're like kind of reaching through, and every once in a while you see a hand gripping through it. Oh, that's reaching for you and trying to like shove rocks over. Um but you might also assume that things might be coming towards the stone from the other side. It's just you can't really tell how far away they might be. So it could be the case that they could be waiting for you on the other side, or they might meet you at the top, or you might have enough of like a uh, a head start on these guys that you'll be able to clear the wall and get into the other side of the city with it before anybody else shows up. Yeah, uh, with the hands coming up and stuff, I, I think Jarzak would try to find a better route in and check the gate as well. Would Okay, so that'll be an acrobatics check for you as well. A 13. Okay, so as the uh, party see the giant, like, you know, van-sized chunk of metal getting lifted up from the gate and from that section of the wall, the party immediately, without missing a beat, start climbing up over the fractured bits of the gate in order to climb through and get to the other side. As the party begin rushing up, I think what probably makes the most sense is Jarzak and Anton maybe being like pound for pound closer to the heaviest, apart from Norhill, uh, probably made it to the front with their speed and accidentally bumped Klika out of the way without even recognizing that she was there. 
And so Kalika falls off at like the midpoint of climbing up this point and lands onto the rocky pile where the hands are grasping out. Uh, and Norhill, additionally, I'm just going to say because you're not as dexterous, you probably fell in, but probably want to use the same excuse when the time comes to have to answer to what happened back there. So at this point, I'm going to need both of you two to make dexterity saving throws. All right, uh, that's a little bit better. Easy peasy. 17. Okay. So as both of you fall onto the rock pile and start rolling your way back towards where the post is, you notice that some of the chunks of stone start sliding across and big metal hands come reaching for you. And as both of you are able to like gather your wits and start climbing out of the pile, almost like a pile of quicksand, um, the gripping hands start reaching for you. And as one of them grasps onto Norhill's foot, he's able to wriggle himself free and pull himself back up onto the board. Uh, both Anton and Jarzak have reached the top of the board. And what you can see on the other side is that the boards become sort of precarious and broken and shattered on the way down, making something of like a slalom course of wooden boards all the way down. Uh, if you'd like to continue going down the boards, that's one option. You guys could try to just jump clear to the other side, which would probably be a very difficult athletics check. Or you could try to climb down the stone heap precariously. I'm going to slalom. You're going to do the slalom of the boards? Yeah. All right, that's another acrobatics check. Good luck, fam. What about Jarzak? Jarzak will do the same. Ah! Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I got a three. A ten? <laughs> and what did Anton get? <laughs> I got a three. Did he fall on his face? <laughs> okay, so Jarzak is able to, like, leap down a couple of the boards <laughs> and takes a sweet time getting down, realizing that the board's kind of, like, teeter-totter as he's going down it but with his orcish ferocity and speed he accidentally goes too far ahead of Anton and as he disproportionately shifts one of the boards to an up position Anton misjudging the height of the board as it all of a sudden starts swinging up to meet his feet a little early catches his toe on one of them flips head over heels and just lands with a smacking crunch onto the rocks it's not far enough down that you would have gotten hurt by this, but I will need you to roll me a dexterity saving throw to see if you continue tumbling down the rock pile. Oh boy. One second. <laughs> I just pushed everyone else off of the chart. Oh no, just... I got a six. You got a six? <laughs> All right. So as you continue tumbling down the pile of rocks, you smack your head on a couple of them as you just like full on like just barrel roll down the side of the rock pile. You reach the cobblestone street. And as you do so, you realize you must be bleeding out of the back of your head or out of your nose or something um, as you feel the hot pain of it all. But then you hear the sound of two boots come with a crunching landing next to your head and realize from the heavy breathing and the smell that it must be Jarzak. Um, hitting your head on the way down, however, you take six points of damage. Um, Great, I really but... needed a concussion today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Go back to sleep, Anton. Um, actually, don't. Not if you have a concussion. But Norhill and Klika, having climbed back up onto the board, you now have this option as well. But because of the time it took you to climb out of there, the lumbering metal giants seem to be climbing out of the rocks a bit more than they were before, having disrupted some of the boards and made the hill slope a little bit more dangerous to go down. Uh, Norhill's just going to try to straight up leap clear uh, from the top of the board. Okay. So you can roll an athletics check for that. 18. 
So with an 18, you're able to leap clear of the pile and you land with a resounding crunch onto the ground on the other side. Um, but falling from that height might injure you, but knowing about your hefty armor, you actually take no falling damage as the, your armor is somehow able to absorb the concussion of a uh, slam into the ground. Unfortunately for Anton, there's going to be a chance that you're going to land on top of him. Norhill tucks and rolls. Okay, so you land clear of Anton. Anton sees some of the cobblestone in front of him, just like crunch under metal cannonball dwarvish weight. <laughs> uh, and I suppose that leaves Klika. Yeah, Klika will try and take the more dexterous route. She's not just going to try and leap it. Okay, so because the boards have been disrupted, it's going to be a little bit more tricky than last time. Is it a check or a save? It's a check. Acrobatics if you got it. 22. Holy shit. So, Klika was apparently born to go down advanced slalom boards and climbs down easily and somehow finds a way to climb right onto Jarzak's back without even knowing he was there. <laughs> so, Jarzak feels an invisible She could smell him. Climb onto. Yeah, right. <laughs> everybody can. But, uh, all right, so with that, the party are now here on the other side of the gate, and before you, you can see that there's something of a paved road uh, around the rim of where the inner wall is, and leading in from multiple different angles is the uh, series of roads that lead towards both the bay, the main marketplace here in the inner city, and to the main road leading up to the castle proper. So, my question for the party is, now that we're invisible, what would you guys like to do? for moving forward. Hmm. I'm not sure how many more tricks we have to play. Should we simply make our way straight for the castle? Um, well, do we want to at least get off the street while we discuss this? Uh, yeah, can Norhill spot, like, a secluded alleyway or something nearby? Yeah, uh, I'll let you guys roll an investigate check for this one because there are tons of buildings, but to find one that's like actually open, one that's suitable, and one that's got like the right windows and doors and all that stuff. Uh, Norhill got an 11. Okay, so with that, you can see something of a, a, a squat building that probably is a business on the first floor and probably like apartments up the second and third floors. Um, the buildings on the inner city are definitely a lot more stacked and compact and seem to be built into each other, uh, whereas the buildings of the outer city are a lot more spread out with alleyways and whatnot that allow for sort of, you know, I mean, space for property outside. So one of these buildings, you would definitely be able to climb up to like the second or third floor and find a very comfortable and secluded spot if you'd like to. All right. Yeah. North Hill will just pick a building basically at random uh, and you know, give a direction and some sort of defining feature so that all the party can find it without necessarily having to follow each other directly. Okay. So the defining feature is a green awning that seems to be hanging over the front of the building, and it's a very bright green, so it stands up from the rest, making it very easy for everybody in the party to identify it. It's not a good day for Jarzak to be colorblind. Um, so, with that... <laughs> um, okay. So Turns out all orcs are colorblind. Yeah, right. Kind of ironic that it's green he can't see. Mm. Um, uh. So, so Norhill starts running after alerting you guys where to go. Where, what would you all like to do? I'm just going to follow and make sure I don't trip or 
get hit by something. I think it's going to follow a little bit more cautiously. Keep an eye on the sky and make sure there's no more city buses coming down on top of us. <laughs> Turns out it is just like a bus from New York City. It just went through a weird wormhole and ended up here. And fucking with some real weird magic. Was it full um, of people? <laughs> Did yeah, they sorry. have names? They're tourists. Oh boy. Jerry Seinfeld was on that bus. Um if anything, that makes it sadder. They were just after a good time. I mean, this is probably better than most New York City trips anyway. Um, so with that, <laughs> um, the party all start dashing for over there as you guys make your way to the building, which is really only like a block away at most. Uh, and with the buildings being this compact, it's only a couple of seconds. You guys are dashing across the street to get there. But in that time, you guys can hear the guttural yelling. Um, and one voice sort of resounds from the stone pile as stone comes crashing down from uh, being tossed aside. You guys can hear a giant speaking in the giant tongue. Um, and I guess only Anton really understands it. He just screams out, get them. And at this point, uh, it uh, appears to you that you may have been spotted before everything happened and before the wall truly collapsed somehow, some way. Uh, but as the party ducked down into that uh, place there, um, yeah. I guess the last thing you hear before darting into the building was the sound of metal footsteps coming from the other side of the city towards the gate and sounding much smaller than those of a giant and in a lot greater of number. It would seem that another troop of the Iron Maelstrom on something of a, a watch seemed to be rushing down this way in like a brigade. So I imagine the party uh, don't even close the door and just rush upstairs. Yeah. yeah. It's going to give them like a heads up that they're on to us. That we should hide. Okay. The party actually want to hide, or do you guys want to just dash upstairs and like getting to a uh, secluded position? Can we hide upstairs? Yeah. I'm just asking if you're actually trying to like roll a stealth roll and play hide and seek while you're invisible, or if you're just yeah. saying you're gonna. Okay. Totally gonna do that. Yeah, you are gonna do that. No, uh, Norhill is alerted. That we might have been had. He's going to try his best to hide a little. Okay. So, still, as still. Uh, the party dash upstairs and start hiding amongst what appears to be something of like a small one-room apartment of sorts up here, a lot of the furniture having been tossed aside and much of the things been rummaged through, it does seem like there's plenty of furniture and places to hide inside of this place. So, if you guys would like to roll a stealth roll, I have a feeling most of the party's at disadvantage. Well, advantage from being invisible. Well, that's why I was confused why we even rolled to hide in the first place. <laughs> well, you know, there's more to concealing your presence than just not being seen. Yeah, it's um, going to be flat for a bunch of us and then advantage for anyone who doesn't have disadvantage, right? Yeah, pretty much. Norho got a 15, though. So you got a 23. I got... Uh, no, let me try rolling again. One second, I don't think it went right. Oh, oh. I fumbled. <laughs> Good. Anthony just get the memo and slam the door behind him. Yeah, right. Standing yeah, at the top of the stairs. Um, it wasn't at distance. 
It wouldn't have been at disadvantage, and you rolled at disadvantage, so. Because they're invisible, I suppose that. If you just want to roll it flat. Well, I rolled it flat. It was 14. Okay. And then was Jarzak going to hide, too? I I thought we were all hiding, so I rolled, but Jarzak probably wouldn't. He'd probably just go stand in a corner or something. Look at the I assume everybody would do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Jarzak just stands there, knowing very well the spell will last a little bit longer. So as the party are standing here, hidden away in their places, and Anton standing somehow very uninvisibly while invisible. No, I'm just kidding. You got 14. It's okay. So as the party stand there in their different positions, counting their breaths and waiting for whatever is happening outside, you can hear the stampeding of feet come to a stop. Uh, ending somewhere near where the gate must be and uh, you guys can hear that deep bellowing voice of one of the giants outside in the stones and it yells out I had one in my grasp I felt him and with that they all just start yelling amongst themselves and the general din makes it very hard to hear anything important but somebody yells out scan the area and with that, the sound of the clattering boots over the period of about another minute or two as they start to spread and look around all ends of the city here. Uh, it sounds like just the marching of ants just everywhere about you, just clitter and clatter each and every way. So at this point, what would you like to do? You won't stay hid for long. What is our next play? Do we, head, do we make straight for the castle or try to get fancy? I think we need to get to the castle. Like, soon. But I, I, but Anson's just wondering, is there any way to travel by, like, rooftop or anything of that sort? So we kind of stay off the yeah. ground? I mean, by how compact a lot of these buildings are, there's a good chance you could probably climb through the window of one of them into the window of another one and probably climb up onto the roof by either punching a hole through the roof and just climbing through on a makeshift ladder made of furniture. Or there might even be something of like a thatched opening to climb up to the next uh, to climb up to the roof rather. But no sensible fortification will allow you to reach the inside via the rooftops. What if we strand ourselves by going in that direction? Does no one remember uh, whether or not you could potentially access the castle or the castle walls from the rooftops of Eagleheart? No. Um, no, you wouldn't be able to now that you don't remember. The road that leads up to the castle arcs around the cliffside. And so there's nothing around the uh, outer perimeter of the castle. One, because it's on the cliff's edge, and two, because the road leading up to it is also cliff edge. So the best you could do would be able to get to, like, the castle gate, which at this point is probably destroyed as well. Um, But yeah, you could probably get close to that if you wanted to, but the issue is that you'd be exposed to the air above. So if you guys are able to invisibly continue marching this way, you might be able to just by rooftop to rooftop clear your way across. Invisibly, that is. I see. We um we do the rooftop. Yeah, click is good with the... uh... Rooftop idea. Like a prepared jump? Nope. Wasn't that a spell you had that was clutch at one point in the campaign? Yeah. I dropped it <laughs> eventually. That That's how we got out of the impromptu mass tomb. Yep. Okay. So if the whole party are okay with climbing up on the roof, the party can yep. go upstairs and exp- 
explore the uh, third floor. And what you find is that the window leading out from the third floor overlooks the second floor roof of the building next door. So you guys could technically come out of this window and cross over to the next one with just like the leg span just spreading. You know what I mean? Like you could just like climb right over to the rooftop of the building next door. All right. Easy enough. Last chance. Is this what you want to do? Yep. This is the plan and we're sticking to it. So the other thing I was going to say is that because we said before it would take you guys a handful of hours to cover the city on foot, especially moving at this pace, how long does invisibility last? Uh, Three days. Yeah, three days. Oh, (laughs) good. Glad we took a cat's nap for that reason. Um, So uh, what is it, an hour? Yeah. Okay. Cool. So the party are able to very easily climb out into the rooftop. And what you can see from your vantage point up here and looking at the other buildings is some of the other ones arc up to about two and a half stories, some up to three and some of them down to just one. But for the most part, the whole town is uh, sorry, this inner city is just about all like second story and third story buildings. So if you guys wanted to, you could basically just jump across rooftops over the street. And because the streets on the side roads, not the main roads, the buildings the are only about five to ten feet apart at most. Most of the jumps you guys would have to do to leap from one side to the other won't actually be all that challenging with a running start. So, for what it's worth, this could actually work. The problem is, is having to do this for a very long time. So, my question is, what is your plan now that you're on the rooftops? Are you going to be jumping across or are you going to be trying to do something else? Hmm. We could always wait here a minute while they're checking and then... So is the plan to do that? Just wait up top until the everything looks clear? I actually think we should be going sooner rather than later. We did. Staying here in one spot with how many of them there are just means... The longer we wait, the more likely we are to be fouled. Yeah, Clayka thinks it's best if we get a move on now, and once we have some distance between us and the gate, maybe we can drop down to ground level. It, yeah, but like one wrong step from Jarzak, and uh, we're all going to be found pretty much immediately. Well, I mean, that's and kind of how have, it always is. Yeah, but I don't have... See, I don't have confidence in myself to make these jumps. So here's the other thing I'll say, is because these jumps are pretty manageable, what I will allow is the party, if they take their sweet time with this one, <clears throat> I'll let you guys just take 10 on a lot of these jumps, just because with the teamwork and having everybody available to just like take your time, get the long jump and just full barrel to the other side, I don't think anybody would be failing automatically on these. The only problem is it would just take you guys time to like really catch your breath in between really plan it out. Like we're not, you know, parkouring across the city's uh, rooftops. So it's really just a matter of like how much time you're willing to spend doing that. Because from what it sounds like below, they're organizing search parties and like full on scanning buildings and like walking around each alleyway and looking around. And especially where you guys are because of how close you are to the fallen gate. We definitely need to be careful and plan our route anyway so that we don't get stuck in a dead end. So I think that sounds fine to me. Because 
even if you guys got to a point when you realize that you'd have to like jump to a third story building from a second story building, you'd still be able to have somebody at least like jump to a window and like climb up the side of it. Like it wouldn't be impossible. Again, I know you guys aren't really parkour people or anything like that, but like, you know, I firmly believe you guys could pull it off, especially because Klika has jump. Yeah, no, Norhill just has to throw, find invisible Klika and throw her every time to the other side. <laughs> Ah, there you go. Perfect. Um. Okay. So, what's the plan? Do you want to wait here and climb down when the coast seems clear, or would you like to move at half pace? Or do you want to move at full speed and try to make the athletics checks? I think we'll move across the rooftop as, uh, rooftops at half pace. Unless anybody has an objection. No, I think it's okay with that. Yeah. Okay. So so after about an hour of the spell of invisibility being in place and the party jumping across, it seems like you've crossed about one-sixth or one-fifth of the distance across the inner city, leaping dexterously across each of these buildings and landing. Uh, everybody's ankles, calves, and, uh, you know, your just legs are so exhausted from having to, like, dash, run, land each and every time, slowly but surely wearing the party down and getting everybody pretty exhausted by this final stretch. Uh, by the point that the invisibility spell is about to wear off, the party get to a house at the rooftop where a chunk of metal may have crashed through. And it looks like there's an opening to the floor below where you guys could very easily climb in safely into like some uh, roof cover. Uh, yeah, Norhill takes full advantage of the cover. So at this point, now that the party are standing here, what's your plan? Well, at this rate, it's going to take all day. And I hate to admit it, but I'm not sure my strength is going to hold for that long with a fight at the end of it all. Mm. Well, what do we have for options, then? I could fly us up the cliffside, but we'd have to go all the way back out and around. We've come too far for that, I'm afraid. Yeah, and it was also voted out already, but, you know, it's an option. I mean, I could maybe summon one of my dragon buddies as a distraction, but I don't know how much that's really going to buy us. I mean, they might be able to sense where magic got cast from. Well, if if that was the have. case, we'd be in trouble already, wouldn't we? That is true. Yeah. Perhaps we simply need to return to the streets. By now, we must have confused our trail enough. So, peeping out the window or looking down from the rooftop with the invisibility that you guys have left, looking down to the streets below now that you've made your way towards, like, the outer middle of the city, um, you can tell that the larger groups searching and scanning the city streets have definitely kept towards the, the, the main inner wall there. Um, but there's still smaller groups that are going up and down the main road, which this building happens to be uh, adjacent to. So if you guys went down to the street, you would be now dodging like smaller groups of like four or five that are walking in and out of alleyways and up and down the streets. The roads are swarming. And unfortunately, our enemy neither tires nor hunger. So our situation is never going to improve. Yeah, I mean, like Klika said, I could create 
some amount of a distraction. But how we utilize that is up to us. Only we had potions that would make us look like elves. <laughs> it feels like if that would solve only. all of our issues. <laughs> hmm. Well, I can see that a distraction would be both a blessing and a curse. It would draw some of the existing patrols away, but pull more that we're not aware of, potentially right into our path. Hmm. Anton and Jarzak, do they have any plans? I say, I say we hit the streets running. Can't catch what they can't see. <laughs> I mean, if you guys did, I mean, I would allow you guys to roll some checks, but you could literally sprint through the street and just hope that invisibly running, you guys would be able to make up for all that lost time of uh, carefully jumping across rooftops. Yep, that's Jarzak's yeah. plan. Unfortunately, you'll make a lot more noise just running full speed, clattering, and just like huffing and puffing the whole hour of running. So they'll hear you. But they seem to lack the intellect of most intelligent creatures. We might just be able to get away with it if they don't see us. For, Even for if now, we, we end up making more noise than usual. We could we could take our armor off too. I've been there, done that. I do not like my odds if we do actually get into into a fight. Besides, it would take me more than ten minutes to put it back on. I don't know what kind of DM would enforce that nonsense. Clearly, strapping on, it's, you know, it's full play. It's like, the, the, it's the, like the taking out a new weapon. I remember very clearly it made us track how full our water skins were once upon a time. Hey, man, listen, okay, man's got a drink, okay. This ain't no cheeseburger picnic. A what now? No, that's it. Listen, uh, okay. So what's the plan? Did did Anton have a suggestion? Other than run like hell? Or get naked? I don't want to make too much noise, but Anton knows the top of the clock's ticking. True. But did you have any, like powers or spells or items you might be able to use? Uh, the only thing I could think is if I do a distraction. Like, I set a rolling ball of fire in another direction and they follow it. Big dumb cats. God, honestly, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like, I'm looking at all my spells and that one keeps looking at it and I'm like, I could just send that rolling away. I think I am. Unless anyone objects. I wonder if I can actually. Can I actually send it rolling away? I also I wonder if you guys have... Have any? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I could set it at sixty feet for me. So you could go fire bowling and hope that they chase that down. But I feel like that falls in the same camp as the giant, a giant dragon flying through the air, where it may draw more attention to you guys just having cast a spell at all. But does anybody have any items they could use? Oh my god, I have the beans. I've been telling you to use them for so long. Plant I one of those and we'll one. run away from it. And whatever happens, happens. I'm going to use one. Rock you just finally, gonna... hell yeah. Just, this is just it. eats it. I got to see how many. Wait, how many? I have seven beans in there. So I'm going you to. You had seven one. this whole time? Yeah. All right. Uh, well, before try. we start planting the bean, uh, Norhill. Uh, are we going to run away invisibly then, uh, after the bean is planted? I think that's the plan, yeah. Just full sprint towards the castle. 
once okay, the beans uh, so are planted. Norhill is going to grab some like rags or something and you know shove those in some of the clankier parts of his armor so that it'll make a tiny little bit less sound. Okay. Um and use the use of the Silverstein uh to say, may our strength never fail. Uh, and give everybody bonuses on uh, plus t- plus two bonuses on hmm what do we think uh, strength strength or constitution saving throws maybe or perhaps athletics checks because if you're going to be sprinting I am going to request a, a constitution check to avoid a level of exhaustion because you guys just did that whole super march across the uh, uh, the rooftops. If you guys would like to take an hour of rest, like a short rest real quick, I would definitely allow you guys to not face that penalty. But again, that, you know, forces you guys to rest for an hour. No, nah, that's baby mode. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Norhill will give us all plus two bonuses on constitution checks. Okay. Very well. So um, if mm-hmm. Anton is planning on using the beans... You are going to have to plant them. So my question is, uh, would you like to actually like go down to the street and plant them in some of the filth outside one of the buildings? Or are you planning on just grabbing some dirt and filth up here and planting it like on the rooftop? I was going to plant it in the filth. I don't know what the hell I'm going to do with it on the rooftop. I mean, I don't know if you know about the giant bean things that come out of this freaking special item, but... Uh, you can be dealing with a treant that just climbs out. So, I mean, rooftop or not, this guy's going to be just fine. Wait, what? No, don't back down now. Yeah, just, we, yeah Where we do you want to plant it? We only know that the beans are magical. Um, well, actually, honest, we're all heading back on the ground, right? Anyway. I assume you're going to plant the bean, and then that's the cue for Jarzak to recast invisibility and all of us to start running. So, you know yes. what? Maybe I will plant Sounds it good. on a roof. Can I even plant it on a roof? Is that even a doable thing? Because I mean, so much is destroyed up here, so. I'd say that because so much like just filth and dust exists up here, technically you could count it as dirt. It's not going to be healthy soil, but you know, I will give it dirt and I will give it dirt and then two great things. I'll give it a drop of holy water and a little bit of sunshine from the lantern. <laughs> oh man, a holy trayon. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna be wait, how many how many of these seeds are you planting? One. Experiment. You might want to plant more than that. Oh why? I don't know. Maximize your effect. But I don't even know what it's gonna do. So I'm gonna plant one. If I have to plant more, I can plant more. Things could Ooh. get a lot more rough than you think very quickly. Are you just telling me to abandon the beans? Don't let him trick you. So, Anton of Glory Bean. I'm sticking with planting one. Okay, so up on the rooftop or down below? Rooftop. We'll give a little water. Or eating it. Do not forget, we can always eat the beans. Yeah, man. We'll we'll see. I have to be desperate for that. I don't think we should do that. <laughs> All right, here we go. So you plant the bean in the filth, and oh, wait. I gave it a little Lord of Light love. Okay, so where you plant it, you wait a minute, and you see one single threading green sprout come forth from the filth and the holy water and the little bit of sunshine that you gave it, 
and it rapidly like spreads out the uh, roots from the base of where the dirt is and like grasps onto the rooftop onto the thatching of the roof and the shingles and like grasps on as if like getting a good grip before it shoots out a stalk. But the stalk comes just like pulverizing out of the roof up about five feet and it just spreads in a big tufting like explosion up top where a bunch of uh, brachiations come out and all the leaves just like poof out like little streamers. And as it does so, you see little glittering and like shimmering little orbs forming under some of the leaves. And those slowly get juicier and fatter and just start warbling in a wind that doesn't exist. And then they just come to like a dead stop as the plant gently sways in the breeze. And what you have before you is something of a strange looking magical apple tree, but it's very small. But upon the branches are uh, quite a lot of uh, fancy little apples, all different colors, uh, a total of 24 of them, if you actually wanted to count them up. 24 apples? I'm assuming I'm going to... The funny part is, eight of these 24 apples appear to be shimmering and glowing in a sort of like rare Pokemon kind of way, and they seem to exude a quality to them as if perhaps... Uh, carrying with them some sort of magical effect. Click is going to grab all those with Mage Hand. Hurry in there before anybody else. Well, you're grabbing all 24 or just eight? Just the eight. Okay, I'll grab three regular ones. Yeah. Okay. Click will give oh. one shiny Pokemon apple to everybody. Or I guess she'll just give two to everybody. We might as well just divvy them up fair and square now. Let's see. So shining golden apple, two. Sure. Where I'm gonna? I, where did we get these beans again? Did I get it from? Where did we get these beans? I think it was either loot from the elves or it was a gift. No, you guys got that fancy root as a gift from a. Uh... Your friend, uh, the monk there. So my question is, did you want to do another bean? No, I'm going to like eat one of the regular apples. Okay. It's delicious and tastes closer to a grape than an apple, which is very strange. And the juice runs down your, down your chin in a very watery kind of way, leaving no stickiness behind. Right, well, not as distracting the distractions I might have expected, but I suppose we're no better off, nor uh, I suppose we're neither better nor worse off than we were before. You should eat one of the sparkly ones. You know what? As Norhill gets handed one of the sparkly ones, he's going to like sort of offhandedly take a bite of it and just be like, "Oh, an apple crunch." <laughs> Look, an uh, apple. <laughs> <laughs> Uh oh. I mean, you know, it's you know, somebody, somebody gives oh my you food God. and you eat it without hugely thinking about it. You take a bite, and for a moment, you feel like as you're chewing, you feel like this very strange endorphin rush as you're eating it. And for a moment, the aches in your bones and your muscles and your feet are just numbed. And you feel like every bit of the pain you are feeling from your age and from battle and from running and from wounds fades away completely. 
even though the wounds are still bleeding, even though your body is still bruised, you feel no pain, no nothing. Oh, but what do you know? I feel 30 again. Just when dwarves are 30, they just are completely invulnerable to pain. That's their teenage years. They don't know any better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, basically. Remember, Norhill's 50, who's only been like a full-on adult for like 10 years. Well, what has he done with his life? Anyway, so what would everybody else like to do? I'm just gonna look at Norhill and be like, does the Norhill actually look younger? Like, does it look no. like it had physical effects? No, he just feels absolutely no pain. Oh, that's it. That sounds like drugs. Like, <laughs> he's just gonna go ahead and get ready to sprint while uh, waiting for Jarzak. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna yeah, pull I suppose this about the time that Norhill passes around the Silverstein. Yeah. What did also, you pick for the silver sign? Uh, constitution checks. Okay. Um, and also, apparently, um, an effect that I kind of forgot about is as long as I'm wearing the boots of the long, glorious march, I am fully immune to exhaustion caused by extensive marches or physical labor uh, without even spending a charge. So, I guess you never felt it to begin with. I forgot it was just about it. So eating that fruit just means you lose the other aching pain that you feel in your body. You know the one. The, the horrible pain of loss and the crushing weight of war. Right, or the loss of Hot Pickle Tuesday. Hey, whatever one. It's part of the pain of loss. So did anybody uh, want to plant another bean or are we going to drink another one of these <laughs> juicy fruits? I think Anson's just going to enjoy the apple for what it was and then get it. And then what? And then he's going to get it. Move on. Okay. Trezak will recast. Well, the party have made absolutely. Wait, what? Trezak will recast invisibility. Ooh. Okay. And so the party are going to go back downstairs and try to go on the streets now. Right. And we're just sprinting for the castle. Okay. Very well. So the party, in that case, starts sprinting towards the castle. Uh, for this time that you guys are running, I'm going to need everybody to roll a stealth check. It's going to be a disadvantage. Uh, because you guys are invisible, however, it's just going to be a standard check. Well, I guess mm. all the padding that Norhill put in his armor fell out because he got a five. So my question is then, which way is everybody planning on going? The main road, the quickest route, or the back roads? I'm going to go the main road okay. because I feel like every time I'm doing something slightly not main, I'm getting my ass kicked and I got a 15. Wouldn't there be a lot more of the bad guys on the main road, though? But there's not as there much are. rubble and uneven yeah. ground that I keep smacking my face on. Jarzak would go backwards. <laughs> Norhill's going to make it difficult for the GM. Uh, Norhill's going to stick to the main road as much as possible, but if he sees an especially big patrol, he's going to turn off onto the side streets and go that way for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we could also suggest that that's what the party does, that you guys sprint down the main road and duck away as soon as you see anything. Or did you guys want to just straight up drag race and just run down the strip and knock them over when you see them coming? As the as the fighter of deer men, Norhill is probably the only one who would be capable of that. <laughs> All right. So would you guys like to sprint down the main road and duck away if you see something? Yeah. Okay. Very well. Unless Jarzak disagrees. 
Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Okay. So with that, the party begin their mad dash down the main road here. Um, and after about 10 or so minutes of just full-on sprinting, you guys hear them walking down the sideways, and you can hear them at the crossroads and stuff, but you've been able to dodge past them pretty quickly. Though up ahead, you see a sweeping line of about five of them just walking towards you, taking up the entire main road in a spread, looking left to right. And as they listen in and hear the party uh, rushing down the road, hearing Norhill clattering with his metal boots on, um, you can tell that they start to slow down and hold a hand up to like slow down and listen in for whatever the hell is coming towards them invisibly down the road. Um, I'm going to say that you guys are able to notice this uh, about 40 or so feet away as they seem to have come out of like a side passage when they started doing that. So what would the party like to do? Seems like the perfect time to duck away. I actually have a question. So their guys made a hunk of metal, right? So they already sound like metal when they walk around. Can we somehow sound like the same kind of metal and just confuse the fuck out of them? So here's another unfortunate reality that you guys have noticed climbing through the city here. Not only has their rusty metal kind of changed into more of like a quicksilvery kind of like pure shining steel, um, oh. they don't make much noise. The clattering you hear is just from like metal on the on the ground. Norhill at this point makes more noise than they do. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, Ayrton's gonna hide. Stop what he's doing. Okay. So in that case, I'll let you guys roll another stealth check in order to duck away into the corner here. Um, and because yeah, no, never mind. I'll I'll still roll it the way it is. So yeah, disadvantage from the metal countered by the advantage of the spell. Ooh, Norho got it. What, uh, what does it take to use a scroll? Uh, you just got to know the spell, or at least, sorry, have the capacity to know the spell based on your spell list. And then it's just like whatever the normal spell would be then? Yep. Okay. I'm pretty sure the casting time changes, though. Or no, I don't think it does. I got an 18. Okay. Or yeah, anybody gonna... else? Uh, Norville also got an 18. Swag. And Anton? 14. Excellent. So everybody manages to duck away at the last minute. And as the uh, troop continue walking down the street laboriously, eventually they come to the area where you guys have ducked away into one of the alleyways. And they look down, staring you guys nearly square in the eye, pausing for a moment to listen in and like lean in and look around. And then they turn back to the road and keep going. Walking down the street, no issue. I'm, I'm just curious, this whole change in the the... Maelstrom. Deal. Has this has this been like since we arrived at the city, or did this happen after the whole apocalyptic sky is falling scenario? No, you noticed this with the iron eagles that you guys were fighting before. You saw this with the mantids. Uh, this seems to be a matter of having been away from the iron maelstrom for a long time. It seems like the metal is purifying and the metal is strengthening, and it seems like the steel is like coming to its final form. I just look at Norhill and I'm like, does this seem like anything dwarves have heard of or can do? Reversing the wear and tear of metal? Hmm. Well, the secret of steel is a matter of how it's forged. 
it is in its nature to be more pure, the better the forging process. And so, this being a reflection of the perfect steel, it stands to reason, in my mind anyway, that the more perfect the iron maelstrom becomes, so too is, does the steel become more perfect. Of course, neither me nor my family are smiths, so you'll have to take that knowledge with a grain of salt. So, after the boots echo down that way and you hear their voices calling out saying they still haven't found anything, the party have an opportunity to continue running. And with that, yeah. it's time to continue on our way. So, would the party like to continue running full speed? Yes. Yes. Okay. So that the party make it about another five minutes down the way before they reach something of like a makeshift uh, how do I want to say this checkpoint where the main road seems to be barricaded with steel bars and rubble stacked up, making sort of like a like a barricade of sorts. I don't really know any other way to put it. Or then it's like 10 feet tall and like sort of sculpted rubble. And they've sort of reinforced a lot of the buildings here. The side passages seem like they might still be able to get around. But this main spot right here definitely seems to be very well tended. And it seems like the guards at this point are some more of those metal giant looking guys lumbering perfected steel just sort of standing about and like looking around the uh, main road here but it doesn't seem like they've noticed you at all you guys are paused now about 90 feet down the way from them what would you like to do we ought to go around okay so the party are going to move now taking twice as long sort of circumnavigating walking through the alleyways and walking by um at this point, you guys can tell that the barricade seems to still exist around some of these buildings. So my question is, would you like to go where it is less guarded on the barricade and take your chances crossing it that way? Or would you like to continue further into the uh, into the back alleys, uh, hoping that the barricade ends eventually? Uh, yeah, there's a spot that's not well guarded. It might be worth chancing it. What about everybody else? I think at this point, yeah, Anton's just like, we're eventually going to get caught. Well, that's a quitter's attitude. That's right. a real attitude. Why don't you just <laughs> plant another bean and we'll see what happens. I'll eat my golden apple when I fucking feel like it, okay? Listen, you don't have to eat the apple, you just gotta plant the bean. Beans, bean. So... Okay, if nobody has a problem with it, then the party are going to just approach one of the lesser guarded areas of the barricade. Yeah, let's go. Now, as the party move up to where the barricade is uh, only about five feet tall or so, it seems to be sort of perched on either side of one of the buildings uh, here with the, uh, like basically cr covering the alleyway. But what you can see from the side is that one of the side windows seems to connect from the inside of the building onto the other side of the barricade. So if the party would like to, they could basically enter the front door and climb through the back window of the building, properly covering and getting to the other side without ever having to climb over the barricade. Or the party could try to climb over the barricade. Go out the window sounds easier. So, so as the party march into the building here, um, there is a slight glimmer as you walk into the foyer here where you see resting upon the floor, curled up, looking not unlike a giant cat, 
what appears to be another one of those metal tigers. Uh, it's sleeping very gently, or it seems to be sleeping, as it just sort of lays there with its eyes closed. Uh, it doesn't seem to be moving in any shape, form, or way, and somebody who didn't know about the ferocity of a beast like this might assume it's just a very elaborate statue, but having dealt with one of these previously, the party invisibly steps in and looks down and sees it uh, in a very dormant state. If you guys would like to, you could travel the rest of the 20 feet into the building, climb out the window and continue on your way, or you could back back out of this place. What would you like to do? Move ahead. I think <laughs> Ronnie cannot be stopped. <laughs> Just no! My friends are going to die. I don't know what the hell else happened after that goddamn meteorite shower. I don't know. They're all dead. I think Anton has the right attitude. At this point, fortune favors the brave. Okay. So would you Not guys even like the to brave, move the impatient. We've <laughs> never had bad luck with tigers before. The last one we met was Primeway. Uh, yeah, right. Took a little bit of uh, combat, but yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the uh, question I have now is, would you guys like to sort of hurry for the window, or would you like to move stealthily into the tiger's domain? There's no reason to try to wake it up. Might as well go as stealthily as possible. Okay. So the party can roll for a stealth check at this point. Again, taking the penalty if you have the uh, metal armor. 15. 18. Thank God. Nice. What about Jarzak? That one shoe to drop. Seven. Hell yeah. Oh, oh no. Come on, Kalika. A nine, a one, and a four. <laughs> Good. Um, so at this point, as Anton and Norhill somehow being the stealthiest members of the party, make their way through the uh, passageway. I believe Jarzak again. <laughs> yeah, right. Jarzak and Kalika bump into each other at one point, having both looked at the giant metal tiger to make sure its eyes didn't open. As you bump into one another, you bump into a table, and the table creaks as it uh, flexes under you guys bumping into it. Uh, at this point, the glowing golden eyes of the tiger open up mechanically, and the thing lifts its head and begins to stand up. Uh, it doesn't look directly at you, but instead looks towards the table. And for a moment, I imagine it probably catches your hearts inside your throats as you realize it might bisect your path to the back area there. So, what would you guys like to do now? Search for a secondary route? Wait? Hold still? Or make a run for it? Uh, Norhill's going to freeze and wait to see what happens. I will say, Norhill and Anton are already at the window. You guys have already cleared it, so you guys are ready to step out and be outside the building. Norhill's going to wait and see what happens. Um, is he aware that it's just him and Anton by the window without speaking? Yeah, I would say you probably just like knew the pattern or the order of you guys walking. So yeah, he's going to wait and see what the tiger does. Well, Klika, Jarzak, what do you do? Uh, gonna try and stealth around again. Okay, trying to sort of do it before the tiger gets over there. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You can roll for it again. What about Jarzak? Jarzak will do the same. That was an at twenty. Uh, Seventeen. Gets... 
Excellent. So Kalika and Jarzak both enter their inner bug mode and just scuttle across the floor and chitin his fingernails like a couple fucking cretins. As the tiger walks over and begins to sniff at the air around the table, uh, all four of you begin to climb out of the window without making a single noise whatsoever, making it to the other side of the barricade. At this point in time, it seems like you guys are on the final third of the way to the uh, castle. And at this point, you can tell the invisibility is beginning to waver. So, what would you guys like to do now? Ain't nothing left to it but to do it, right? One last invisibility sprint. Jarzak? Yep. Queuing it up. Yeah, I mean... One last invisible sprint it is. I mean, uh, you guys could just plant more beans. We you? could plan. Who wants to see these beans? I'm, this yeah. is literally right now just sustenance. That's all Anton sees this as. He's like, there's no other point to this right now. We got more than enough food. We're not going to be greedy. Oh, not, no, not the apples. That's not what's going to happen for every bean. These beans are all well, going to be the, very good. Well, as far as Anton knows, the beans grow magical apple trees. That's what they do. <laughs> yeah. no, you haven't even no. eaten any of the apples yet. So. I eat yeah. regular apple. It featured great, and that was it. We planted a grapple tree. <laughs> grapple, please. <laughs> no, I don't like grapple rules for fifth edition. I yeah, prefer the grapple flavor. It's the fucking grappled apples. Now with 7% grapple juice. It's made from grapple to concentrate. Anyway. All right. Anyway, we're, um, sprinting, we're sprinting down the street towards the castle. Uh, yeah, but when Jarzak casts it, he's going to definitely let the group know that after this one we're definitely going to have to stop to rest so we need to find a house that's safe click a winks at him so as the party uh, yeah, right, invisibly winking at him he knew he could feel it mm-hmm. but as the uh, party meander through the back alleys past the barricade and continue walking uh, towards the main road again in order to get some speed going behind you uh, you realize that this inner city may actually be some of the least tread area just because of the dangers of the water that may exist and because of the fact that the uh, outer parts are so well defended and the air seems to be so defended that you guys find yourselves at like the first moment of sort of like steaming peace and calm in this city. And as the party come racing down that main road at full speed, I am going to need a constitution check as you guys have been running for a long, long time. Immune to exhaustion. What do we get for the um for the Stein again? Plus two. Well, Norhill doesn't have to roll it because he's got super sick boots. Yeah, I wasn't going to roll it, so. No. I just like rubbing it in for everybody else. 17. I mean, that doesn't surprise me. Stop too. 12. Nice. Got a um, 7. <laughs> You've been drinking too much grapple. Um, <laughs> the... I gotta make some snapple grapple. As the, uh, as the party uh, run through the streets and continue on this way. You guys can hear behind you marching, but seemingly not marching in your general direction. 
about a half an hour into the invisibility spell, you can hear the sound of maybe one of the larger marching parties out here of the uh, maelstrom come marching down the street behind you. But them marching and not sprinting like you, you're able to very easily clear them. But when you take a moment to look back, the phalanx of this group, it seems about 10 wide and about five deep. So this group on this main road are not only packed in here like sardines and marching perfectly through here, but if this is what like a true phalanx of these warriors looks like, and you think about how many of these soldiers must exist all across the realms of Amaroth, you get a sinking feeling as if like some sort of supernatural sense that you are being chased in a more poetic sense as you're running down this road. But as you realize the poeticisms of this event will mean nothing to you if you fail on your mission, you continue running down to the end of the street where you can smell the briny, salty air of the coast, where you can see that the uh, sort of inner bay here of uh, Eagle Heart, where all the businesses stacked up on the coastline seem to be, and where you have a very good view of the cliffside where Castle Eagle Heart sits, and you can see the uh, castle gate seemingly uh, protected by quite a large encampment of troops, uh, the road snaking up the cliffside up to the castle. Uh, it looks like you've just about reached your destination, but at this point you can tell that the last bits of the invisibility spell are coming to an end. Uh, options ahead of you. If you'd like to, you could try to hide in either alleyways or you could hide inside of like some of the businesses, something of a home or like a tavern, or you guys could get more creative down by the docks where there are ships and, well, docks and like a pier. I'd rather go toward uh, the water. Yeah, how about the tavern? Okay. So uh, if the party's okay with that, Party go rushing down and finding one of the larger buildings here, sneaking in through one of the side windows since the front entrance might be blocked off or something. Uh, walking in and climbing through the windows here, you guys can see in the main foyer of the uh, uh, of this drinking hall that there's a large sign and something of a large like wooden sculpture carved up on the mantle over the uh, entrance. Uh, something carved underneath it seems to say the singing siren. Um, and from when you guys walk in here, the old smell of like stale mead and the smell of old meats and wood smoke lead you to believe at one point in time, this place was probably very comfortable. But the dust that clings to the furniture, the rubble and the broken uh, bits all about the place, shattered glass on the floor and all the remnants of those who took last refuge here remind you of the dire situation of where you are and what Eagle Heart used to be. Standing here in the quiet, you realize that this may actually be a very safe, fortified place to take rest. Uh, as the sun it seems to be setting on the horizon in the north. Um, sorry, I had to do that one. Uh, through the windows over the water, uh, you can tell that as night begins to fall, you have a couple of options ahead of you. You could rest or you guys could push forward. I think we're going to rest I at least want to rest. I mean, okay. I think. Oh, I thought we were all pretty good if we could do a another cat nap. I know we're kind of in a bind for time right now. So. Well, perhaps we should show we should take a full short rest. Well, yeah, uh, yeah. Clea can put everyone down for a cat nap, and then we only lose ten minutes instead of an hour or two hours or whatever it is. Nobody needs a long rest? No, I think Norhill will be fine spending some hit dice. 
Same. Hasn't used many spells. Okay. So, uh, are we catnapping or are we doing the short rest? Well, what's the, what's the difference between the two again, other than obviously the length of time? That's it. Oh. Well, that and use yeah. of a spell. Yeah. I, I have to use one spell slot, but it's really not that bad. I see we I see we catnap it because I feel like it wouldn't. Anton's clearly trying to rush this because he knows they're in dire straits over at the castle. Okay, Clicka will be on her best behavior for the 10 minutes you're all asleep. We all get conked out. Okay. Just don't, so, cl- don't clean as... me while I'm asleep. No. Just, just no. Just, <laughs> that's it. Just no. Uh-uh. Um, Ooh, I, ro- I rolled maximum on my first die that I rolled, so that's nice. Just what you needed. Um... Okay, so I guess the only person who's not catnapping is Klika? Yes. Uh, so, uh, Ronnie, don't forget you add your constitution modifier to every one of the die you roll. So, I don't know how many you rolled. I, I guess it does it automatically. All right. Um, I use three and I'm back at full. Well, I, I got like minimum health. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, imp- impressively bad. <laughs> um. So, Glika, can you do me a favor since you're the only one who's not sleeping? Yeah. Can you roll me a wisdom saving throw? All right. But oh. I will. I will have it be known that I did take the uh special pen or finger pen off of Anton's hand. It was drawing funny faces on everybody while they were asleep. <laughs> so very yeah, click into a ghost to draw a mustache on my hill. Yeah. <laughs> oh wait. I got an eight. Okay. Very well. Okay. Perfect. So with that, um everybody wakes up different levels of rested from the cat nap. Um, and you can see that the sunset has officially reached that wonderfully peachy color as it hides behind the clouds over the water's edge. And the purple arcing past it towards the sky leads you to believe that if nighttime was the enemy, it is very well uh, at the gates. Realizing that daylight is not on your side and the gates await to the castle's edge, uh, you guys can, if you'd like to, start making your way up to the castle. Because you're on the water, uh, I know Jarzak has been talking about flying that way for a long time. So if the party would like to fly ac- alongside the the uh, the cliffside, this would now be the one time that I think it would actually work out if you guys were invisible. But I don't know if you're allowed to do the invisible flight. I think that was the no, issue. I think we went through that. They're both concentration spots. Well, yep, that was that was the sorry. big problem. Well, you know. There well, might yeah, but... be some magical fruit that makes you invisible. Oh my god. <laughs> if we roll We're correctly. We're not doing a smorgasbord right now. Well, I think flight might give us the best chances. Otherwise, we'll have to fight our way through that encampment in order to reach the castle. And I think we're going to need all the strength we can muster in order to fight Kalishkai. So what's the plan? I mean... Clique is good with flying up the side. 
but if we want to try going into the front, that's okay too. I think we should take the flight path. So the only issue is, again, you will be totally visible. But if you guys take your sweet time and cling to the side on the rocks, how long does flight last? Is it 10 minutes for this one? Yep, 10 minutes. So you guys really wouldn't have the luxury of traveling very slowly and managing to be very stealthy. The only thing you truly have on your side is that it's going to be nighttime by the time you're doing it. So clinging to the cliffside, unless they were actively looking for you, or if Anton decides to light his lantern, you guys would be pretty well hidden from most vision, but you got to hope that the eagles can't see in the dark. I mean, we got to hope that none of them can see in the dark. Because for all we know, they they don't even have real eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Like, (laughs) but you know, so this way we might be noticed. If we fight our way in through the gates, we will definitely be noticed. I think in this situation, a chance is better than a certainty. Very well. So, uh, at this point. If the party would like to fly, I think the party can go ahead and roll me a stealth check to move silently um, down to the water's edge in order to get like to the easiest way to climb the rocky cliffside up to the base of the castle. So, again, it'll be a disadvantage for those in armor um, just because you guys are uh, not going to have the benefit of invisibility on your side. Boy. Conquer done. Got a nine. Wow. I went ahead and got a seven. I think of the party just, no, you stop poking me. <laughs> just like making all my the other guy, my other guy was a seventeen. So good. And disadvantage some work. Would flying counteract the noise of the metal? Because we're not walking. I just figured to get the most use out of the fly spell, you guys would want to walk down to the the docks. Granted, you're not far from it, so this is just like a good hundred foot stretch in the dark. So you guys are already skulking, so it's not like the stealth is going to mean you're instantly found. It just means it's going to be competing against potential rolls against you. You know what I mean? Hanson got a 13. Jarzak got a 7. Okay. So as the party uh, continue walking down the cliffside, the sounds of the waves lapping at the rocks and on the shoreline and everything seem to fade out a lot of the noise of you guys clinking and clanking your way down the stairs and getting closer to the water's edge, but staying close to the rocky cliffside. Um, And as you guys get down here, the cold winds and the damp air of the sea and the spray that seems to lick up and splash at you guys, blowing raspberries at your faces, uh, reminds you, that you are this much closer. So, Jarzak casting his fly spell. You guys can hear in the distance at the gate the sounds of a few of the giant metal beings at the uh, castle gate sort of shouting back and forth to one another about a changing of the guard from what Anton can hear. And as the sound of another phalanx of troops coming down the castle road from the main castle wall all the way down to where the castle gate is near the uh, the pier... Uh, it sounds like there's enough going on that nobody would hear you at this point. Staying close to the cliffside while flying, they probably wouldn't even see you. So, at this point, you guys look pretty safe. Now, my question is, with a flight spell active, 
are we going to fly to the castle wall so that we can go to the castle, like the actual inner sanctum here and enter through like the castle proper? Or are we going to try to fly up like the castle walls and try to land on the roof and try to like infiltrate in through the building that way? Or do we want to try to enter our what fourth sewer entrance and try to climb in through the turrets on the side? Should we landing? The roof is probably our safest. No, actually, landing in the courtyard is probably our safest bet. That way we remain as low to the ground as absolutely possible. Click a votes for anything that doesn't end up with us in the sewers. The sewers would be good. The sewers! (laughs) (laughs) Wow, we're pretty evenly divided. And it ver- uh, between anything but the sewers and yeah, the sewers. Well, two people very emphatically <sighs> decided they wanted the sewers. I heard woo the sewers. Yeah, <laughs> that's because we have some real thickos among us. I don't. <laughs> okay, yeah, your ability to fly is going into the sewers. <laughs> yeah, that's well, not. We're Dan putting Dan putting it that way. Makes it sound like the party vote is for the sewers. So no, no, I no. think <laughs> courtyard for sure, hundred percent. Do we want to split the party? No, no, uh, no. <laughs> I don't think you should eat a bean. <laughs> no, put a bean inside of one of the golden apples, then eat it. Think so about it. This is the forbidden fruit. You know, maybe the answer lies in one of the fruit. You should eat a fruit, Anton. No, I'm going to give it to to real. (laughs) That's actually good. I might fuck him up. What if it becomes a poison apple and you give it to him? You're like, here you go, buddy. And he just drops dead, throwing up his guts. Then at least Anton didn't eat it. (laughs) Anton probably would have survived it. Mohel did not die. Uh, I'll go to the courtyard, but... We're flying. We should be taking the most elaborate route possible by flight. Yeah, uh, basically Norhill's advice is stay within arm's reach of either the cliffside or the cla- or the castle wall. Unless somebody's looking straight up or straight down, they're unlikely to notice you. No one looks down a toilet. Yes, they do. Every single person on planet Earth looks down the toilet. <laughs> that is yeah, probably the one know, least you, safe you, place you, you are. There, there, there is a ninja who killed some warlord somewhere by hanging out in his toilet and you then haphazardly stabbing up when he couldn't see the light no more. Hey, guys, so. I, know, I know supposedly everybody poops, but do, do these metal creatures... So they might not even be in the toilets. Exactly. My argument is solid. Oh. I wasn't there poop. Well, I keep hearing votes for poop. And see chunks chunks oh, of metal no, flying no, out of the sewers. Vote for the courtyard, so that's not free for the courtyard. So who's gonna fold on their vote is my question. What one would get us the closest to the our gold, like the castle, the fastest. Okay, so having courtyard, stayed right? in the castle, you understand that the toilets just drop straight down to the ocean. So, if you were to climb in through any one of the toilets, you would already be within the castle itself. This being where the throne room is, and 
assuming the scrying Anton had done was true, you'd be probably within a hundred feet of wherever Shareel is and everybody else. Now, if you enter through the courtyard, there's a good chance that there might be an encampment waiting outside of the actual castle's like front door. So entering the courtyard may mean that you might be just going into like an encampment of some of the biggest and baddest hanging out there and protecting it. I'm not saying you should use the toilet because the toilet's also incredibly cramped and dangerous. And if there's any complications and anybody gets stuck or anything happens it's with taking too drop. long, yeah. yes, down to the ocean with no chance of anybody saving you with a fly spell. Okay. Is there right, just... We can climb through a window, could we? You could. And that's why I was saying you could climb up onto the roof, you could fly up there, but the risk of that is you're not invisible. And if there are guards out there in that inner sanctum, they'll maybe see you. Alright, just not this to mention... once, we don't have to go through the sewers. Can, can we just, like, cause some chaos, go to the top of the castle, I'll throw a fireball, start lighting it on fire, I'll go in. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Chaos and leave in the chaos. Well, but all the metal things will just descend on us from the entire city. But, but are they fireproof? And I don't know how much reminding you need, Anton, but our friends are inside the castle, rescuing people from an actively burning building with an evil witch inside. Does oh. get much harder when that building is on fire. I thought we were just here to kill her. I forgot about the friends. Well, no. We're, we are going to kill her. And then it is going to be our duty to hold the castle until reinforcements arrive. Oh, yeah. Charzak just, like, pats his bag with the orc flag. <laughs> Very good. Okay, so toilet's out of the question. So the question is, would we like to try to infiltrate through one of the windows, assuming they're not very well protected, or through the roof, through an explosion, or would we like to try to enter through the courtyard? Maybe through a window. Now that I think, now that you bring up the thing that the courtyard might be guarded. Okay. So realizing that if you fly up there to the window, you won't have enough time to go to the courtyard or to the toilets. I want one final decision from the party. Window. Uh -huh. Winder. Yeah. Probably one of the like higher windows on like one of the towers. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I could probably pull that off. Probably going to where uh Kaliskai had her um little study there, or at least Queen Alvir Garavar. Um where you guys met her so very long ago. Um and got to know her and her honeybee comb on her head. Um okay. So as the party decide to fly up the toilet. No, I'm just kidding. As the party begin to <laughs> fly about an arm's reach away from the cliffside, keeping towards the water to be uh, obfuscated from much sight, um, every once in a while, as the moon rises in the distance, you guys can see something kind of blot out the moonlight as the eagles fly silently overhead, the metal flying above seeming to also do the same. Um, the party managed to keep low and keep sort of close to the cliffs as you begin to get even closer you guys every once in a while can hear over the sounds of the crashing waves the sounds of the din of troops in the citadel sort of shouting and cheering and hollering and it just seems like just a whole bunch of rabble rousing going on on the inner courtyard up here at the castle as the party think they're 
stars that they decided not to go that way. They cling to the edge where the castle seems to be built right off the cliff and start climbing up the wall, flying to keep them afloat, but clinging to the walls and the different uh, sort of inlets of the uh, the building's natural uh, architecture. As the party begin to climb farther and farther up, past the first story, the second story, up to the third story, where many of the towers seem to reach their pinnacle, the party are now at a good point where they can actually look down at the courtyard. The courtyard they had once seen before, where they were heralded as heroes for the town and greeted as champions, some of you even knighted in nice clothing purchased by one very generous party member. The party looked down and see now the destruction of the buildings and piles of metal all abound. Soldiers, as far as the eye can see, just sort of in separate little encampments surrounded the little fires down there. Every once in a while, some of the metal giants just sort of like tossing some garbage in one way or another, hooting and laughter sort of taking above the din. As the uh, party continue flying around here and sort of like clinging like bats to the underparts of the pinnacles, the party get closer to the tower that I somebody would probably be able to easily identify it as being sort of the uh, the study of Queen Alvier, where you guys had met with her once before by her little fireplace. And as you guys flutter over to the window, you can tell that the fireplace within here is completely stone cold and out. And the window entrance itself seems to be unguarded. So, by moonlight, the party one by one slink in through this window. And in total stealth, stand now in the Queen's own personal study. What would you like to do now? I just want to head over to the Great Hall, but I don't know if anyone wants to investigate this space. Well, with luck, that's where we'll find her. Is there anything occult in here? No, and I think that one of the sort of shattering realizations you come to as you guys take a quick look around here for like a minute as you gather your bearings and lose your ability to fly you realize that this room probably hasn't actively been in like in any real use in uh, maybe weeks or months. And almost to prove the point, as you guys look at the table, you can see a small platter with some wine glasses and an open bottle looking very reminiscent to the same uh, fare that was provided to you guys when you had your initial meeting. And Norhill claimed she had to own up to her promises as you guys look to see an unfinished bottle of wine, an unfulfilled promise clings to the air as well. This room itself seems to be pretty untouched, so any of the occultism in here was the same stuff that you'd seen before when you'd come in here. Instead, it looks like this is a set piece that belonged to somebody who once cared, but instead it was something of a uh, illusion or something to sort of uh, establish herself at one point in time. The room that uh king throne could scry on is it actually yes it is oh. um may i borrow the ring of writing implement clicka hands it over yeah norhill's gonna pick like Clicka sees sees anton reaching for it realizes she never gave it back and hands it over uh, it's gonna give her a look it's just like, okay. Well, you guys haven't commented on all the stuff I drew on your faces yet, so. Yeah, uh, Norhill's <laughs> going to pick a mostly empty wall 
uh, set the ring of writing implements to chalk. Um, and he's going to write in like, you know, nice, bold letters that would be very visible in case somebody just so happened to scry on this room. We've arrived. Uh, and then put Norhill's little uh, family crest room at the bottom. Bullet. Okay. So as you look around and see that some gemstones lay on one of the uh, one of the uh, uh, library sort of walls here on the uh, one of the shelves, rather, um, you can tell that the same jewels given as a gift to the uh, bride to be uh, seem to be sitting here staring at the wall where you write this. And with a certain understanding that it's likely the king would be able to see this if he were to be scrying, um, a certain satisfaction creeps across your face. Okay. So, again, in this cylindrical study uh, with the one way out of here, what would you guys like to do? Well, no point in studying old documents. Perhaps we should move on and try to find the demoness herself. Maybe. Might be a good idea. So how would you like to do that? Go out of the room through the only exit. Who's leading the way? Norhill, probably. Okay. So who's following Norhill, as it's going to be a single file the way down? Click will go next. Okay. So as the uh, quartet begin to walk down this way... um going down the circling stairwell as it arcs around and around down another 10 or so, 15 or so feet. Eventually, you guys reach a landing where a staircase reaches down another five or so feet to a flat landing uh, to a room that seems to be lit by torchlight. Um, as you stand here on the landing, it appears that there's no noises that you can hear right away down below you. Um, but your memory of this chamber, you recall this is something of like a a guard post of sorts, sort of like a like a little like a guard's landing. Um, this same guard's landing seems to be a couple rooms over from the throne room itself. Norhill's going to whisper to the party. Guards, more than likely. Do you want Klika to check it out? You my gash. Alright, Klika will move ahead to check it out. Okay. So as Klika sort of clip clops down the stairs very delicately. Um, on monkey did you feet. Want to monkey feet flapping against the stone. Yeah. Thirteen. Is it thirteen? Mm-hmm. Okay. So as you continue down this way, the flickering of the torchlight illuminating the landing, you land at the bottom here, and in this about twenty foot by fifteen foot room. Uh, there's a doorway directly across from you, one to the left and one to the right. But the most unfortunate sight you see as you look for where the guards may have been posted originally at one of the tables with a few chairs pulled up to it, there appears to be a human or what seems to be the remnants of a human uh, nailed to the wall through both of his palms and all the skin on the front of his torso seems to be clipped off and pulled down in something of a makeshift apron at about his navel line. Uh, the blood spilled upon the floor reeks, and it smells like old and rusty, as if it had had time to oxidize. The uh, level of scratches on the wall where the nails have gone in imply that there was much of a struggle, and this person was probably alive for much of what happened. Cool. Do I recognize them? 
you know, lift up the skin flap of the face. Yeah, he doesn't look familiar. That's good. Uh, so I don't see any guards or anything, right? No, this may have been the only guard. Good. Clicka will creep back to the party, not throw up, and let them know what she saw. Uh, North Hill, uh, are there any like sheets or anything uh, inside the guard room? Sheets? Yeah. I mean, I imagine there's a tablecloth, but the tablecloth is probably bloody and spoiled from some of the blood splattering off. All right. Uh, well, North Hill will go pull the guy down from the wall. Okay. Uh, close his eyes and cover him with the bloody tablecloth. Okay. Whoever you were, you didn't deserve this. We'll make sure she pays. That's very sweet. Very sweet of you, North Hill. <laughs> um, okay. And so, as I described before, there appear to be three doorways. One to the left, one to the right, and one straight ahead from you. Uh, the one straight ahead, um, you don't know where they lead to. And the one to the right, you also don't know where it goes to. But the door to the left, you recall, if anybody recalls truly, seems to be the doorway you originally came in here through uh, months ago leading to a hallway that connects to many of the main rooms, as well as the stairwells down to the downstairs, as well as to the throne room itself. Sort of a, like a main hall of sorts. Anton says we're looking for the throne room, so that means we'll want to go to the left. Okay. So, if Norhill's going to still be in the front, you guys can go ahead and move through the doorway. So as you put your hand upon the doorknob and to turn it, and to open the door, uh, you guys can all hear a resounding scream echoing from one of the halls somewhere through this place. And as it echoes off the stone walls, the sound of somebody like being mutilated and screaming in pure agony, uh, it shatters your spines. And you guys all feel like the twinge feeling of hearing somebody like receiving a death blow of sorts or some sort of like deep, truly humanizing agony. And as it echoes through the space, as you hold the doorknob, um, it goes quiet. Um, and you hear another scream come, similar to the first one, but this one almost less lively. Uh, can Norhill try to get a beat on exactly which direction it's coming from? Uh, scream so, seems to come from down the hall and to the right. Uh, I guess Norhill is going to go running off in the direction of the scream, uh, assuming that the party is going to be right behind him. Yep. Okay. Let's do it. So as you guys pop the door open before you, preparing to run for it, uh, the chamber of the main hall that connects to like all these other important locations itself is shaped almost like a uh, like a like a potion in a sense that it's got like sort of a teardrop kind of shape where it's like sort of a spherical main antechamber here, and then it follows a long hall to the you know throne room. Uh, but as you pop into this area in like sort of the the you know the bulbous part of this chamber here, about twenty feet across, um, the chamber itself has two statuesque looking giant metal beasts sort of standing there like knights uh, or like just like uh, yeah I guess kind of like today's sort of like you know have somebody might have a knight as a decoration just like a whole suit of armor just standing there. 
But these ones look more similar to the ones that you saw outside, sort of sculpting from the giant sheet, like just giant heaps of metal. And they just stand there very vacantly against the wall, not moving one bit. So uh, all the gusto you had as you kicked the door open to go running down the hall, I imagine your blood freezes for a moment as you look nearly like head on to one of these giant things. And as you realize it's not moving, what would you like to do? Uh, uh, Suffer... A second, he's going to check and make sure it's not about to start. So as you stand there, apprehensive and waiting, as the rest of the party collide into you cartoonishly and like, bum, bum, bum. Um, no, it doesn't seem to move at all. And instead, you hear a arcing whip noise with a full crack as it seems to snap the wind. And a very lively screech of a small female voice calls out, gods help me. Very well, clear. Uh, 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 let, let us be away, uh, and Norhill's going to go off in the direction of the most recent scream. Did it so sound party... like Margay? In fact, it does. But the hoarseness of the voice sounds like she may have been screaming this way for days, if not weeks. Excellent. So, as the party rush up to the main doors of the throne, uh, you can tell that the doors themselves seem to be locked shut. What are the, the doors throne room, The throne room doors are made of wood, and they arc up about 15 or so feet in a very cliche kind of like, you know what I mean? That typical like half oval shape there. Are they like doorknob doors, or are they kind of the kind of door that would have like a wooden beam holding it shut? It seems like it'd be a wooden beam on the other side, or perhaps chain. Norhill's going to try to bash the door open. With what? The hammer. All right, go ahead and roll me an attack roll. Uh, dirty 20. Uh, and that is going to be 10 points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage. Okay. So as you crack at the wood, um, you can feel it flex under your smash, and you seem to weaken much of the structure of the wood itself. Um, it doesn't seem to bash straight through, and it seems like you've made some headway on it, but not enough to like make anything of it. All right. What would you uh, like to do? So I get th- I get three attacks in a round, so I get three swings at this. Uh, so Norhill is going to drop his shield. He's going to spit in both into both of his palms, then take the hammer in two hands and bash it with that. I'm gonna count that as a single attack spit in your hands. That's disgusting. <laughs> uh, let's see. So the second attack roll is gonna be a natural one. I miss. The spit prevails. Uh, that's, uh, the third attack roll is going to be a 25, though. Yeah, that, yeah, you definitely hit. I was kind of only rolling for fumbles, which makes me sad to know you actually got one. Yeah, I mean, assuming that a door has an armor class of 10, I rolled the only number that I could roll in this. Um, uh, let's see, that's going to be 15 points of magical bludgeoning and lightning damage on that third hit. Right, so with that, you're able to crack through enough to make a hole that Margay or Caracol could like easily like stumble through, or Klika. Um, everybody else would have to squeeze through it. Yeah, so Norhill's going like to reach through and remove whatever was keeping the door closed before. Okay. Um, I think that because you did all those attacks, you're probably going to be done with your actions to be able to do that, and somebody else could try to reach through. Klika will just go through and do that. So as Klika yeah, Nor- through... starts to get ready to retreat, but through, but Klika like ducks under his armpit and goes. <laughs> yep. 
um, as Klika pops in, the undeniable stench of sweat and like the strange pheromonal odor of pure horror and fear clings to the air, giving you an almost like supernatural level of awareness of the level of pain and anguish and terror that must exist in this chamber. As the first thing that really smacks you, as you look around and see the dim lights of the candles on all ends and all arts here, uh, you can tell that the room arcs back about 100 feet total, and it's about 30 feet wide. There are some doors to the side, but the pillars that seem to align the room, some of them have tumbled, but uh, a couple of, uh, what's it called, torturing racks seem to sit sort of proudly in the center of this chamber and aligned on the walls at offset positions are about six people strung up in different positions and a very evil looking callous sky seems to be standing with a bloody barbed whip at the ready and a very bloody and lacerated margay dangling from a chain seems to be uh, just about to get whipped again and as you stand there uh, about to lift what appears to be chains off the doorway, you can hear Kaliskai call to you in a very haunting and enchanting way and says, Well, well, well. You finally arrived. I've been so lonely here with my playthings. And with that, she cracks the whip again at Margay, and you hear the most blood-curdling screech of terror as you see a single bit of flesh fall from her hand to the floor as if Kaliskai seems to have maimed one of her hands with a very, very painfully accurate whipping. How come you never roll back? And Click is going to start falling the chains off the door. As the rest of the party barge through the now opening door, um, I think that's where we're going to end it. Hey everyone, I want to thank you all for listening to another episode of the podcast. It really means a lot to me to have everybody listening in. And if you have anything you'd like to say, any comments or anything like that, shoot me a tweet over at ygrognard on Twitter, or you can even send me an email at younggrognard at gmail.com. I look forward to everything you guys have to say, and it's always a pleasure to engage with anybody listening to the show. And as always, be sure to keep things... Dungeons. Dungeons.